What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, if you'd like to open your Bibles, please, to Ruth chapter 2. We'll continue in learning from this wonderful woman, Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. And uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. First, let's pray. Father, help. Help this morning, Lord. Help me as I bring the word. Help everyone in this room, Lord, as they hear the word, to hear your voice through the word. And help us all, Lord to increase in our knowledge of God today, in Jesus' name, amen. Ruth, chapter 2, and verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned, and in the field after the reapers, and her half was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Okay, that's as far as we read. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, we already covered that. <laughs> I said, well, that was such a nice parking spot. I think we'll go back into that one a little bit. <laughs> anyway. We've been studying here the personalities in the book of Ruth and learning so much about what we should do in life and, and what we should, how we should be. And now in chapter two here, God has brought our focus down to primarily three persons that he'll use for the rest of this book to, to teach us. And those are the persons of Naomi and Ruth, the Moabitess, and Boaz. So with eagle eyes now, we're fixed now on what God wants to show us, first in the person of Ruth in verse 2, where we read this, that Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And then she said unto her, go my daughter. So here's Naomi, here's Ruth. 
They've arrived in Bethlehem. They've come back to Bethlehem. There was no welcome home shower. There was no, there was no shower in Mater Hall at 2 o'clock for Ruth and Naomi. <laughs> there was no, there was no uh, sisterhood committee from the synagogue bringing them casseroles, the marked for Ruth and Naomi. There was no care packages waiting for them every day. There was no meals on wheels that arrived for them every day. There was, no, there was nothing. And it was a very tenuous time for Naomi and Ruth as they must have food. They had to have food to survive. And Naomi feels the need for food. And Ruth feels the, the need for food. And it's in this setting now that Ruth now speaks to Naomi in verse 2 with her request. She says, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And with these words here that Ruth has said, we see a believing woman in Ruth who trusted God for her safety. She was asking Naomi to go into a field of men, and it was a very dangerous situation, but Ruth trusted God for her situation. She knew that with God protecting her, that she could be safe. And that reminds me of the time in El Cajon, near, 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 near Avocado and Chase, near where we live, there was a dry cleaning store there, and a, and a man from India was running that. And my wife, Cheryl, she decided to take some clothes there for dry cleaning. So the, she walks in, you know, the bell rings, she stands at the counter. The man looks at Cheryl. He steps out from behind the counter, and he said to Cheryl, you look sad today. Let me just give you a hug. And Cheryl said, I'm not sad. I'm happy in the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> And the man says, no, you look sad and you look like you need a hug. And then the man moved between Cheryl and the front door and started to move his hand to lock the door. But Cheryl was able to grab the door handle and she got out of there and she thanked the Lord that she was able to escape. And so later, one day, she, she came home and she told me that, you know, that man's dry cleaning store, it's no longer there. There's this, the, the storefront is up for lease. And then about a month after that, she brought me a paper, a newspaper article from the San Diego Union, and it was about that man. And as the article reported how that man had just been convicted in El Cajon Superior Court for raping a woman in his dry cleaning store, and he was sent to prison. Now, she was protected from that man's intentions because she trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and even spoke his name in that time of danger there in his store. Well, in the same way, Ruth knew that even though she was going into a very dangerous situation of a young foreign woman going into a field of men, she trusted in Jehovah Jesus for her protection. And that's why she was so bold to ask Naomi for leave to go into the field, because Ruth knew that, that they needed food, that she and Naomi needed food. And she says to Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. Ruth has no idea whose field she's going to end up in. She doesn't know. Naomi didn't tell Ruth that, you know, you be sure to go find that field of Boaz there because he's a distant relative and you go glean it. She didn't say any of that. And Naomi made no mention of any Boaz to Ruth as much as Ruth knew that she was just going to go into some man's field and she was trusting God that he was that, that God was not only going to protect her in that field, but God was going to lead her to just the right field 
and God was going to touch the heart of the owner of the field so that she'd find grace in the sight of the man. There's a lot of trusting for Ruth to do. I mean, the protection from the evil man and the guidance of the right field and touching the heart of the man. I mean, God is trustworthy. That was a lot of trusting. But God never said to Ruth, he'll never say to us, you know, you're kind of overrunning the trust meter here a little bit. You know, he said, you know, you didn't put enough coins in the trust meter for all that, you know. (laughs) He would never say that to Ruth because God would never say that to us. As a matter of fact, to the contrary, God puts it this way about trusting him or over-trusting him. He says in Malachi 3.10, where he says to Israel, bring, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. See, when God says, prove me, that's God saying, come on, bring it on. <laughs> that's what God's saying. Malachi 3.10, he's saying that. He's saying, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There may be meat in mine house. Prove me. Bring it on, he says. Prove me now herewith. See, trust me by bringing all the tithes into the, my storehouse so there'll be meat in my house. Prove me. He's saying, prove me. Now, you bring those tithes into the storehouse, you're going to see what God calls, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and he says, I will, he says, see if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there won't be room enough to receive it. God says, he, God says what's God saying here? God's saying, I got my hand on the latch of the windows of heaven. In fact, God said in Malachi 3.10 that he didn't just have his hand on the latch of, the, of just one window in heaven, but God said that he had his hand on the latches of many windows in heaven because he said, he says, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. See, in Malachi 3.10, God is revealing himself to just be itching. He's just itching to open those latches of the windows of heaven. He's in heaven. He says, there's blessings inside here. There's blessing in those windows of heaven. And he's just itching to open those latches so they let loose all those blessings. And from Malachi 3.10, we have this picture of God frustrated because he wants to open the latches of the windows of heaven, and all he needs is for someone to trust him. That's all he needs is someone to trust him. Someone to step forward and says, I'll trust you, I'll prove you. And what God did not say in Malachi 3.10 was that you bring your tithes into the storehouse, and I'll just barely crack open a window or two for you. He says, and so a blessing can dribble out. And it says, he didn't say that if they brought their tithes, that, 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 he, that he'd kind of like sit there and say, no, let's, let's meter out this blessing here. A few drops, that's enough for them. They don't even miserly hold it back. That's not God. He said, God doesn't do that. He says, he says, he says, he says, he says, he says, he doesn't say dribble. He says, pour, pour out. He says, I'm going to bring, pour, bring blessing. pour out a blessing. And the word pour there emphasizes to us that God said what's going to happen, he's saying that he just enjoys to watch his people scramble to store the blessing because he said it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a great time to see you get so much blessing you won't even have room to store it. You won't even, that's going to be, that should be your problem. That should be our biggest problem. So how are we to see God do this? How is God going to open up these latches on the window of heaven? 
How are we gonna see the blessing just pour out on us? That's a question. How are we gonna see so much blessing that we won't be able to store it? Simply trusting, just trusting God. Trust God with finances. That's what it's talking about in Malachi 3.10. Finances, give him the tithes. The tithes, those belong to, the, the tithes, those belong to him. That, that's his by right, the tithes. The offerings, he deserves those. In addition, the tithes and offerings, the offering, he deserves those because he's so good. He says, he says, Ruth, simply trust God. Trust God to protect you in that field of men. Trust God to lead you to the right field. Trust God to touch the heart of the field owner so that you, you, see, you find grace in his sight. And if we asked Ruth today, well, Ruth, what does trusting God look like? Show me a picture, Ruth, of what trusting God looks like. Ruth would reply, I'll show you what trusting God looks like. Trusting God looks like me, a foreign woman now going to the field and gleaning ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. That's what it looks like. What does trusting God look like for us? We, you know, we, we don't pass the plate here at the, at the chapel, never have. So trusting God might look like us putting our tithes in that little box in the back of the chapel there. They're giving God what he deserves, our offerings, giving what he's, he, he is worthy of. Trusting God might look like abandoning the worry over the future and, and singing and rejoicing to God, like the song was just saying there, save, 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 and singing about it. Trusting God might look like giving time to serve God. For example, we have in our bulletin this morning about the CEF Good News Clubs. There's good news teachers that are needed. There's so many schools in the city that, 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 that need a good news club after school so that kids can learn about God. Trusting God might look like giving time to do that. Trusting God might look like giving ourselves to go to the mission field to reach the lost. That, that might be also what God is calling to. And then Ruth says, there's one word that's very revealing about the heart of Ruth in verse two. And this is the word which she says, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. This is word now. And it tells us so much about Ruth. She didn't say, oh, let me go to the field or, you know, uh, I'll, I think it's a good idea. We'll go to the field someday. She used the word now. That word in Hebrew is the word na, N-A. And, and, and it has an inference, the word na, it has this inference of urgency. There's something very urgent about this. That's the word that Abraham used when he was afraid that he would be killed so, so that Sarah could become another man's wife. And Abraham used the word na when he said, uh, say, he said to Sarah in Genesis 12, 13, say, I pray thee, not. Say, say, I pray thee, not, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. See, Abraham's afraid. He's deathly afraid that he's going to get killed. So he says, he's not saying to Sarah, you know, it might be a good idea if you just kind of hit me and sit down. No, he says, man, this is urgent. Now you tell him. You say, you say you're my sister. Nah. And he uses this word of, of urgency. See, when he got to the end of his life, and, 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 he's, and he says, oh, my, my son doesn't have a wife. That's a terrible crisis. I know, I have a son like that. Anyway, Abraham did too. And so he said, he said don't tell Joseph I said that. <laughs> but Abraham uses the word of this word of urgency. 
when he asked Eliezer to take the oath and take the oath, Eliezer, put your hand under my thigh and swear to me, take the oath that you're going to not take a wife from the Canaanites, but you're going to go to my family, my people, and you're going to get a wife for Isaac there. And in Genesis 24, 2, a passage we've been studying in Sunday school, where it said, and Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, nah, it's the word nah, thy hand under my thigh. See, nah, it has this meaning of urgency. The action has to be taken immediately. There is no tomorrow. It has to be done now. That's why Ruth uses this word to Naomi, that it was urgent, that she was, she was asking to go to the, the field. Nah, she said now. She says now, it's translated now. Now, she says, and it shows that Ruth was not a procrastinator. One thing you can say about Ruth, she's not a procrastinator, and she, it shows Ruth, she has this willingness to not delay, but to take action immediately. See, Naomi and Ruth, they're hungry. They're very hungry. And now is the time to do something about that hunger and not to wait one minute longer. So Ruth was this now type person. She was this not person. And she's an example of the person that God expects when it comes to salvation. See, so the matter of salvation is a not issue. It's a now. You see, that's why he says in 2 Corinthians 6.2, for he saith, I've heard thee in a time accepted. See, God talks about this accepted time. A time accepted, and in the day of salvation, have I succored or have I helped thee? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. See, that verse is talking about an accepted time. And, it's, and twice in that verse, it's making these words, behold now, behold now. See, the time of salvation is a behold now issue. It's a behold now. It's not a behold tomorrow. It's not a, it's not a behold when I get, get, get older in life issue. It's not a behold later issue. It's a behold now issue. It's not. Behold now is the accepted time of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Salvation is not to be put off to a later date. The acceptable time is, is now as far as God is concerned. And the acceptable time is spoken about in Isaiah 49.8 where God said, thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and a day of salvation have I helped thee. See, the acceptable time is when God will hear. See, this is the time when God will hear. He says, in the acceptable time have I heard thee. That's what the acceptable time is. It's the time when God will hear. In the acceptable time have I heard thee. That's why today is the acceptable time, because today God will hear the sinner. Today is the day when God will hear the sinner, when the sinner calls. That's why Romans 10, 13 is true. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why is, why is it today that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved? Because today is a day when God is hearing those prayers. He's made it possible for those to seek him, to find him. He said in, in Jeremiah 29, 13 through 14, and you shall seek me and you find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found of you. He makes himself findable. See, today is an acceptable time because God makes himself findable because an acceptable time to be saved because of what he said in, in Isaiah 61, 1 through 2, where the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking about himself, 
He says, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. See, the Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed the acceptable year of the Lord, the time to be saved. That's what we do. What we do, we proclaim to the lost, now is the acceptable time of the Lord to be saved. Now it is, right now. See, now's the time for man to gain all the benefits of the cross. They are obtainable now. Why? On the cross. He accepted the nails to bind him to the cross so that we could be freed. He accepted himself to be bound so that we could be freed from our sin. See, on the cross, he was made sin for us so we could be made clean. See, on the cross, he carried all of our burdens, he carried all of our sorrows so we could be unburdened from those and we could be happy. On the cross, he took this crown of thorns on him so we could be crowned with the, as royal sons of God. See, on the cross, his heart was broken so that our hearts could be made whole, our hearts could be mended. See, on the cross, he was wounded and he was bruised and his body was broken so that we could be healed from all of our sins. See, those are benefits. Those are the benefits of the cross, which is why Isaiah 61, 1, 2 says that he was sent to the meek, to the brokenhearted, to the captives, and to those who were bound. He wasn't sent, by contrast, to the proud and those who are not brokenhearted and those who don't see themselves as sinners in prison by their own sin and shame. He wasn't sent to them. But for those who know that they are a sinner, now is the time to gain all the benefits of the cross, of his cross. Now is the acceptable time because now is the time when God says, he'll hear. He will hear. But the acceptable time does not last forever. There will come a time when the acceptable time, it's over. And every sinner who dies in his sin, that acceptable time has come to an end. And the end of that acceptable time of being heard by God is described for us by King Solomon in Proverbs 1, 24 through 30, where he says, God says, because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand, no man regarded, but you said it not. All my counsel, you would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. God says, I'll laugh at your calamity. I'll mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as a desolation and your destruction cometh as whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then, he says, shall they call upon me, but I won't answer. They shall seek me early, they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge, did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. See, every sinner who dies in his sin, he calls out to God for help. He prays the sinner's prayer. And he asks for the mercy and the salvation. But it's too late. The acceptable time is gone. And God has said that he will not hear. 
And so every sinner who dies in his sin, he seeks God. He tries to find God, but God says, I won't be found by him. I won't. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.